Thanks for tuning in to McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this podcast, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast should consult their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions we might make. McNamara on Money is heard on six continents and in more than 50 countries worldwide. Now sit back, relax and enjoy the show. And welcome to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara, and I am alongside Joan McGrath today. Joan is from Plan of Massachusetts and Rhode Island. Joan, are you with me? Yes, I'm here. All right. Nice to meet you. And thank you for taking some time. We are going to be talking about it's a subject that I'm I'm interested in today because I, as I mentioned before our call it's a it's I would say it's a niche market right so we're, we're going to be talking about special needs planning and so it's not something that comes up in in, in my life as a financial planner all that often and, and I think maybe that's that may be the case for for a lot of other folks out there I'm excited to have you on and we are going to be talking about special needs planning with let's start with an introduction who you are and I guess you know how you came to plan and then. We'll We'll go into what you all do and, and to get into the details. Yes. Okay, great. I'm Joan McGrath. I'm the executive director here at PLAN. It's The title is actually Planned Lifetime Assistance Network of Massachusetts and Rhode Island. So we naturally go by PLAN yep. just for to make it easier for people to remember. I have been with this company for 15 years. I started out as a fractional so I was in public accounting. I used to work for Deloitte and Touche, and I went out on my own, started my own business. I was doing that for 20 years. This was one of my clients providing fractional CFO services. Okay. And over the years, it was very small back then, and I just stayed with them. And three years ago, I became the executive director. So, okay. um, yeah. So the company itself has been around for 53 years. Yeah, uh, and we have currently uh, about sixty-eight million in assets under management, and we have close to eight hundred beneficiaries. Okay, so, can, yeah. can you just define fractional CFO for us for all of us who may not know? When I started life on my own, when I left yeah. public accounting, I came across other companies that needed financial people. Yeah, and, but they didn't have enough hours. A lot of start. What I did in public accounting was initial public offerings and mergers and acquisitions. Okay. So I had a lot of smaller companies that became big. Yeah. And went public, and I started out with startups, small companies, and I just offered my services to those companies. I had ten at one point. Okay. I was a sole practitioner, and this was one of them. Okay. And let's just start out. Are you, is plan a, is it a charity, right? Cause I know you're, yeah. So how is it, what's your structure as an entity? Yeah. So plan is a nonprofit 501c3. Okay. Um, we are a professional trustee and we serve individuals with special needs. Okay. So that those are the only trusts that we work with our special needs trusts. Okay. Terrific. Yeah. And I think we'll maybe we'll get we'll get in more to I think there may be there are probably a lot of folks out there who aren't familiar with professional trustee services or and or special needs planning. So I want to make sure we get into delve into both of those. But yeah, why don't we just start 
with maybe with the need for special needs planning, right? So why it's why it's its own niche, why it has its own complexities, which it certainly does. So why don't we start there and say, hey, why do I need to why do I need to plan in advance for this? Most folks are when you say retirement planning, folks would understand the reason for that. But let's talk specifically about special needs planning and why that's how it's different, maybe how it's similar to other plan plan making that folks are from more familiar with. Part of that plays into the history of uh, plan was started in the late 1960s by parents of children looking for ways to advocate for those children. Back in the prior to 1971, and even in the 70s, uh, children with disabilities were put away in a hospital and forgotten. And um, that wasn't acceptable to many parents. So what they did is they looked for ways that they could advocate for those children so that they had uh, a normal life. They could stay at home. Working together with the Massachusetts ARC, they started this plan to put together trusts so that their children, once the parents were gone, would have resources and be able to use those resources. So our trust is actually called the Mark Trust, which stands for Massachusetts Arc Trust. Okay. When these parents got together, they looked for ways to invest the funds because special needs affects all families. It doesn't matter how much money you have or where you come from. It hits across every culture. There was a huge effort put together. So in 1971, this organization was incorporated. And they started working with uh, families to put money aside, invest the money, and to come up with plans to help those children. In 1993, something called the Omnibus Reconciliation Act was signed into law by President Clinton at the time. And that allowed people with special needs to have trusts put in place to make sure that they could take advantage of any public benefits that were out there. Over the years, people have learned about this option. And so part of finance planning that you would do for your retirement, people would start putting into that a trust for, for special needs. To be a special needs individual, you have some disability of some form. It could be mental health. It could be physical. It could be developmental. It could be any kind of disability. So... What was happening is that those people needed assistance. So they might go into programs where they were getting some rehabilitation, but you couldn't go into those public programs if you had more than $2,000 in your name. Yeah, so trusts came into place where if your grandmother was leaving money to her seven grandchildren and one of them has autism, if she left that money to that autistic child who was getting services, he would be kicked out of services and it's difficult to reapply and get back on to them. So what it is you're on what's called public benefits. And yeah. the big one is SSI, SSDI, if you worked at all, Medicaid. So in whatever state you live, Medicaid. So you're usually, if you're on SSI, you're automatically qualified for Medicaid in whatever state. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, I think it's, we probably should spend some time, right? Because a lot, I think a lot of the, there's a lot of complexity involved in that, the whole system of, of disability. I know that there are specialists who work in, lawyers who work in social security disability. So why don't we talk a bit about qualifications, right? And I, you'll have to forgive me if this isn't your area of expertise and you can feel free to pass on the question, but what kind of disabilities are we talking about? You know, how do you qualify? And, and is that something that you help with or is, are you coming in after you've dealt with the all the legal aspects of it and figuring your way out through the various state and government uh, programs? Yeah, sometimes we're the first person that uh, people contact. Okay. So someone has a child and their child is covered by their health insurance. And when yeah. they get older, that's when the issues start happening. So once they hit 18 to 22, they start coming off the programs that they get while they're in school. And they now become part of the adult world and they need to qualify for programs. And to qualify for those programs, you need to be on public benefits. And the public benefits are, as I mentioned, SSI, Medicaid, and and you want to be on public benefits because things cost so much money that you can't, you might be able to start initially being able to pay for these, but then after a while it gets so expensive that and some programs you can't get into, even though they're the best, you can't get into them unless you're on public benefits. So you want to be on public benefits. You need to, you can't have more than $2,000, which means if you're on SSI, you can't take care of yourself. You are unable to try and think of the word. And you're right. This is not my focus. We hire social workers here okay. to handle that. So sometimes people will call us, they hear about us, they want to know more about how do I set up a special needs trust? There's different options for special needs trusts. You can have a standalone third-party trust. You can have a D4A trust, which it means it's your money, not your grandmother's, it's your money. Or you can have a pool trust. So the pool trust can be both first-party or third-party. So the D4A that I was just talking about is a first-party trust, and that means the money that goes into that trust is yours. So your grandmother passed away and she did not put the money in a third party trust. She gave it to you outright. So now it's your money. And the difference with a first party versus a third party is first party. It's a Medicaid payback trust because now it's your money. You owe the money Yeah. or you can do a third party trust, which is the preferable way. That's where the planning comes in. That's where you reach yeah. out to us. And we'll give you the name of attorneys that work in this field because we strongly recommend that you work with an attorney because it is a trust document. So we'll give you the names of three attorneys in your area that work in that arena. And that person will help you draw up a trust. And that trust would then be administered by us. The third one that I mentioned was what's called a pool trust. And a pool trust has a first party or a third party option. And the best thing about a pool trust is there is, you can have lower dollars. So if your grandmother left you $7,000, there's no bank or other professional trustee that will administer that trust. Yeah. So you could have a family member do it, but your best option, best practice is to have a professional trustee do it. And that's what a pool trust has to be administered by a nonprofit. And there's only four in the state of Massachusetts. And I think there's two in the state of Rhode Island. Um, Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Can we just circle back just a bit now? Now, when, when we're talking about qualifying for benefits, are there? I noticed that you are specific. You you have Massachusetts and Rhode Island in your name. Are there differences? Is it? Uh, I just go on the Social Security Disability website and I look up and and say, oh, this is how I might qualify. Is that going to vary from state to state? And is that why you are specific to to certain states? Yes. So it does vary. It's Medicaid that varies. In Massachusetts, you can't have more than two thousand dollars. But in Rhode Island, you could have four thousand dollars. Okay, that's right. So it does change, and there are rules that you need to comply with. We can actually administer a trust anywhere in the country. Okay. We specifically focus on Massachusetts and Rhode Island, but if we have somebody that lives here and moves to another state, yeah, we can still administer the trust there. But we just need to make sure that um, we're following the rules related to that state that they live in. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We we. Right. When we're doing retirement planning, a lot of times it's someone, they move from Massachusetts to Florida. Uh, yeah. And there's obviously complexities with that as well. All right. Good to know. Yeah. yeah I did. I did. I did want to make sure that it's, it, it's the resident state of, right. So it's not the, the person creating the trust necessarily. It's not grandmother or grandfather who, who created it. It's where the person receiving benefits is living at the time. Correct. Yes. One of the other things about a pool trust and trusts in general in the state of Massachusetts, if you are 65 and over, you can set up a special needs trust. So if you are 67, you're going to work, you have a car accident, you can set up a special needs trust. That is going away as of March 1st, 2024. People 65 and over will no longer be allowed to set up a special needs trust for themselves. Okay. Uh, It continues in Rhode Island. Rhode Island, you're still allowed to do that. But in the state of Massachusetts, they've changed the regulation so that it's no longer allowed in this state without a penalty. So right now we're working with the Commonwealth, sorry, the legislature and both the House and the Senate to get a a law in place that will allow people 65 and over. I don't know if that law will pass. We're hoping that it does. But if not, people it's discrimination. But I'll leave that the, the idea that you can't. Do that in Massachusetts is not fair. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I assume it's a money say. Is it a cost saving measure? Do we know why? You don't have to. You don't have to speculate on the legislators' intent if you don't want. <laughs> yeah. So the House and the Senate are in support of keeping sixty five and over trust in place. Okay. It's it's an interpretation of federal law, oh, and okay. I think there's eighteen states in the country that allow sixty five and over, and Massachusetts has always been one of them. Yeah. And there's been a change in that uh, regulation. Um, I can't explain it. So what happens at the end of a trust for someone who's 65 and over or a first party trust? There's what's called a Medicaid payback. So when someone passes away and they have a trust yeah. and if it's a first party trust, what is left in that trust gets paid back to the state of Massachusetts to cover whatever expenses Massachusetts paid out for that person. Yeah. And so there, there is an accounting done, right? So just, just to be clear, right? It's if, and, and I want to talk a little bit later on about how much, what, what kind of assets are in these trusts and are there limits and all that stuff. But essentially, it's you have money in a trust, and the the state of Massachusetts keeps score on how much you essentially owe them. Is that an accurate? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have a special needs trust in place, so let's say a person goes into a nursing home or a long-term care facility or uh, rehab, or they can even get services at their home. If the state of Massachusetts is paying for that, then uh, they keep a tally for it. And the person, many people 
don't have the money for that kind of care. Right. Um, but if yeah. they do, if they have money and they put it into trust, that money is then used to supplement the person's needs. Right. And so if someone goes into a nursing home and they want to be in a different room or whatever, their trust could be used to supplement. If they are, we tell the story all the time. Okay. And if you are in a wheelchair at any age, if you're in a wheelchair, you're allowed what's called a, it's a pad that can be on the seat of your chair. Okay. That can only be replaced once every five years. Medicaid will only pay for that to be replaced once every five years. But if you're sitting in that chair every day, all day, yeah, that's going to break down. Your trust can be used to get you a new one. But things like that are expenses that are not covered by Medicaid, medical expenses that are not covered by Medicaid could be eyeglasses, replacing dentures. It could be things that you and I take for granted that we could just get. Yeah. They can't get those so that this trust money can be used to supplement that. Because they're limited um, on their assets. Yeah. Yeah. So you have other people that we have this man, he was, he became paralyzed. He was a quadriplegic okay. and he had a lot of difficulty and the way he coped with what happened to him was to paint. He taught himself how to paint and the trust that was in place was used to purchase art supplies and get uh, lessons for him so that he could improve his life. So it's things like that. It could be used for. It's just there's so many options, um, okay. especially in this trust. Yeah, it sounds like there's a, a decent amount of because they're planning for the same system, Medicaid planning, which is something that we, we end up being more familiar with just because long term care is affects probably uh, more folks than potentially than special needs planning. But it sounds like there's a lot of overlap in that in that area where you're essentially doing some planning to qualify for the service. OK, yes. that's good to know. Do you know? And have you been involved? Does Massachusetts in all cases always come after the money? Do you happen to know that? Uh, Yes, actually. So we once someone passes away in the trust, we notify the state of Massachusetts and let them know that the person has passed. And we ask for what's called a claim and they'll put a lien on the trust for the amount of money if there is. So I think I get now what the time frame was, but it was over. I think so many years we have paid close to eight, $10 million to Medicaid in reimbursing them for. Yeah. Uh, so if there is no trust for that person, then there's no money to repay the state of Massachusetts, which th- that's what I was trying to say is doesn't make sense why you would not allow a trust to be in place so that you could reimburse the state of Massachusetts for what they put out. It may not be for the full amount, but it will be for whatever's left in the trust. Now there'll be a spend down and there'll be nothing left in the trust. There will be no trust. So yep. there's nothing to pay Medicaid back with. Okay. Yeah. Do, do you part, happen to know, I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay. No, I was going to say part of a uh, special needs trust is there's no five-year look back. So okay. if someone is in an accident and they want to sell their home or to go into a care facility, they can do that. And there is no Medicaid. I'm sorry. Yeah. No five-year look back. Right. And just, just for, for folks who aren't familiar, you, part of Medicaid planning is you can, you give money, essentially give it away. It's either give it to children or put it into a trust and they 
Medicaid doesn't allow you to do that on one day and then file for Medicaid the next day, right? There's a, the five-year look back is you have to, there's got to be a five-year time frame in between when that gift or transfer to a trust is made and when you yes, can, Medicaid. You can, so when you say transfer to a trust, if you transfer to a trust like ours, it yeah. doesn't, it, there is no five-year look back. You right. can do it today and go on, into a facility tomorrow. But right. if you give it to your children or to other people, then you have to, you, it, it's counted against you. You have to wait five years before you go into a facility or where whatever need you, you have. Um, uh, I was going to say something about that. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of planning that needs to be done. And, and that's why sometimes a special needs trust is your best option if something's happened and you weren't ready for it. Okay. You can put it into this trust. Can, can you just, and I know this probably maybe isn't your area, but can you own a primary residence? And yes. still qualify. Okay, that's so, so. not counted against you. You can keep your primary residence. Okay. Yeah. So you can, in some trusts, you can put the trust, I'm sorry, you can put the house into the trust. Yeah. And then there's a lien against it. But if um, we don't take real estate, yeah. Um, there are other trusts that do, but we don't. So what? Ha- but you can put your home into another trust. And this trust can be used to pay for that trust if it's not income, if it doesn't make income. If you decide you are, you're going to keep that house, you can set up what's called an, a life, life, life care, life estate, a life estate. I'm sorry. You can yep. set up a life estate and the trust can be used to pay for the life estate, which means that it can keep while you're in getting your services in a nursing home or wherever the trust funds could be used to um, keep the house the utilities are paid that the it's maintained so that the house doesn't go into disrepair. Yeah. And that's huge for some people. They go into a, what they're thinking for a short term and they want to make sure they don't lose the home. Okay. Terrific. All right. We just have about a minute left here. Yeah. I want to, let's, we'll do some more specifics and talk about costs and how the, maybe some detail on how the, the process works after the break. We will, again, my name is Justin McNamara. We have been talking with Joan McGrath of uh, Plan of Massachusetts and Rhode Island. And we're talking about some special needs trust planning. We will, we'll add your, co- actually, why don't we, why don't we talk briefly? Can you want to give us some contact information uh, for you? We have a few more seconds here and we'll do it again. Yes. Our primary office is in uh, Quincy, Massachusetts, and the phone number is 617-244-5552. We have an enrollment person. Her name is Tiana. She's lovely. And you can reach her at enrollments at planofma-ri.org. If you're just looking for information, you can say info at plan, or I would suggest that you go to the website. You'll learn a lot about special needs trusts on our website, planofma-ri.org. And not just about us, but about special needs planning in general. So it's a great resource. All right. Thank you for that. And we will be right back. This is Mike McNamara. If you're looking for a financial advisor, start by asking him or her three questions. Number one, are you a certified financial planner practitioner? Number two, are you legally held to a fiduciary standard of care for your clients? And number three, do you only give financial advice and not sell investment products? These are all simple yes-no questions. If he or she doesn't answer yes quickly and starts talking, that's a no, and it's time to move on to another advisor. 
And we are back. Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara, and I am alongside Joan McGrath of Plan of Massachusetts and Rhode Island today. And we are talking about special needs trust planning. Thank you so much for, for being here this morning, Joan. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. So let's let's get back into it again. Let you know, I'll, I'll give out your the website again. Right. So it's plan of ma-ri.org. Is that right? Correct. That's it is. Right. A, I did. I did spend some time on there. It is a it's a good website. It's, it is very informational. So I can recommend that. And you are the executive director. Do you do a lot of do you do a lot of we'll call this air quotes marketing? Do you do a lot of out in the community or is this like a special? Yeah, so it's so funny. We've been around for 53 years and yeah. no one has ever heard of us. Most of our referrals come from attorneys. Yeah. And a lot of our beneficiaries were over the age of 65. We were started by parents of children. So we've been trying to pivot to include everybody with a disability. Okay. So now we've started um, working with other disability organizations. We work with seven of them, Special Olympics, Best Buddies. We're partners with seven organizations. And we've Part of our mission is to go out and educate and advocate for people with disabilities. So we go to these organizations and we uh, meet them and we talk about special needs trusts and the importance of it. Not sexy, but everybody needs a trust. So I, yes, I, that's to that point. I was, I had never heard of you. So we've been, I've been around for in, in, my whole life in Massachusetts and in this business for 20 years. My father's been in the business for a lot longer than that. And neither of us had ever heard of you. And then you show up at the financial planning, a local financial planning organization meeting. And I said, oh, who is this? And it's a seemed like a great resource. And I thought definitely filling a, a niche that needs to be filled. And so I'm very happy to, to have noticed you there. And thank you for coming on the program today. Absolutely. Yeah. So can we spend, let's see, let's go back. I don't know if some folks may be familiar with ABLE accounts, right? A special needs trust is not the only vehicle to use for special needs trust planning. And I don't know how much of the history you know of it, but but there is a thing called an ABLE account, which I know has gone through some changes over the past bunch of years. And that is, let's maybe compare and contrast uh, an ABLE account with maybe a special needs trust and a little bit of info on on an ABLE account as well so we can just get all the information out there. So an ABLE account is achieving a better life experience. It is a great thing to have and it works really well with the special needs trust. Some people think you can you should just have one or the other, but they work really well together. The ABLE account is established by the beneficiary or his parent or guardian or agent or so if the grandmother in Minnesota decides to open up an ABLE account, you can only have one ABLE account. You can have multiple special needs trusts. You can have first party, third party, future funded. You could have multiple. So there's restrictions in age with the ABLE account. You have to be diagnosed with a disability before the age of 26. There is no age restriction on a special needs trust. Okay. Um, and they're actually changing. They've increased the uh, the age from 26 to 46. So in 2026, uh, it changes to 46. So if you're diagnosed with a disability prior to the age of 46, you can open an, an ABLE account starting in 2026. But right okay. now it's 26 years old. There's what's called a Medicaid clawback with the ABLE account. So when you open the ABLE account, Medicaid will be has to be repaid from the time that you open the ABLE account forward. Okay. If you open a special needs trust, 
a third party special needs trust, there is no Medicaid payback. So your grandmother's money is your grandmother's money and it's held in trust for you. And once, so the grandmother decides is if you die, where does the money go? It can go to the other grandchildren. But an ABLE account, it gets paid to the state that you live in. Okay. Um, the ABLE account is set up by the IRS and it's for qualified disability expenses. So that means as it's defined in the IRS regulations, how the money can be spent on the ABLE card. Okay. So it's for, it can be used for anything related to qualified disability expenses, but special needs trust has different restrictions. So if you're on SSI, your trust funds can be used for anything other than what is covered by SSI. But if you have an ABLE account, this is why I say they work really well together. Your yeah. ABLE account can be used to cover food, shelter, things that are restricted. So you have to be very careful. That's why you should have a professional trustee. So if you're on SSI and you are living at home with your mom and your mom is paying for your food and your housing, that amount is reduced from your SSI payment that you receive. So okay. it's just if you get funds from any other source than other than what the SSI benefit yeah. is, yep. they can reduce that up to a third. The ABLE account can be used to pay for things like. Yeah. Uh, and then if you have your money in a trust, the trust can be invested and it can also it's tax free growth in an ABLE account. Yeah. So with an ABLE account, you are limited to whatever the gift tax um, limit is for the, the year. So this year it's 17. Next year it'll be 18,000. So you can yeah. only starting in 2024, put $18,000 a year into your ABLE account. Okay. It's not a lot of money. Where if you have a special needs trust, you can put any amount into that. Okay. So once you hit $100,000 in an ABLE account, your benefits will be suspended. Once you hit five hundred thousand dollars, you will no longer have benefits. Oh wow! Okay, I thought it was so. It's not a it's not a lifetime contribution limit. The actually the benefits stop until you spend down. Yes. Okay. That's right. But again, they work really well together. So you can have your yeah, special needs sure. trust can be used to fund your able account, and then your able account can be used to do whatever you you, you use your able account for. Um, okay. I'm trying to think. So again, I would highly recommend that people have a third-party trust and an ABLE account. Right. If they work, they can put more than that eighteen thousand. They can put up to twenty-six thousand into the ABLE account. So okay. a lot of information, a lot of it. They just work really well together. Yeah, you want to have both a third-party yeah. trust and an ABLE account. And you can right into opening up an able account. I think you, I think I know Fidelity does them. I don't know that every institution probably does them. I assume it's just the larger ones. And again, this is something that I don't have a ton of experience with. Yeah, uh, it's I, just Fidelity in this state. Okay. Yeah. Oh, they're the only yeah. ones. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Oh, it's it's treated like five twenty nine account. So it's it. It's, oh, okay. So it's one uh, state by state. Uh, yes, and okay. it's each state. So I think Rhode Island also uses Fidelity. But okay. Yes. Yeah. That's right. So yeah, and they're also huge in yeah in five twenty nines in Massachusetts as well. All right, good to know. Yeah. Uh, can we just can you spend a little bit of time with you've the term professional trustee is something that I, th I think maybe not a lot of folks come in contact with. So how about a little time on what is a professional trustee? Maybe what do you do? Maybe now is 
time for some of the nuts and bolts of what you actually do, right? I mean, maybe take yeah. us through an example of we funded a trust or someone has funded a trust and now plan a, plan a Massachusetts and Rhode Island comes in and they're doing what, right? I assume we're investing the money and then there's all kinds of administrative things they're doing. So let's go right. a little bit into those details. So for a trustee, so I'll start right from the beginning. You set up a, a trust. So say it's a first party trust or a third party trust and you decide you want to have your sister be the trustee. So you have a child, you want to have your sister as the trustee. So now you can have a family member be a trustee. You okay. can also have an attorney be a trustee. Yep. You could have a bank be a trustee, or you can have a nonprofit be a trustee. So yep. you have choices, you decide. So um, what we what happens to us is we um, will get a call and the person will say, my sister passed away and now I'm the trustee for her son. And I don't have time to do this. Yeah. I don't want to do this. So they call us and mm -hmm. we'll step in. But you could have, if it's a bank or an attorney, you're probably going to be paying attorney hourly fees. And a bank won't speak to you probably if you don't have a million dollars. It's just not cost effective for them to have trusts that are below a certain dollar amount. Yep. Yeah. It's just so it's we just, get called yeah, banks. Just, just capitalism, right? Yeah, it's, yeah unfortunately, so that's how it banks, is a lot of times. Yeah. Saying this trust is too small, we can't administer it. You can have an organization like ours, and it can be any amount of money. So with us, we have no minimums. Plan has no minimums. So you can we recommend that you don't set a trust up for less than ten thousand dollars, but you might just um, just because of the economics of it, how much you're gonna pay for the trust versus the benefit. Right. Because what we have is what is called a pool trust. yeah, And so we take standalone trusts, meaning you have your own trust document and we'd be the trustee. And then we also have what's called the pool account. So that's number of people that have a master trust document and a number of people have their own individual account in that master trust document. And that money is invested for pooled for investment purposes only. Each person earns what they earn or gains and losses all account in that small account. But you could have $20,000, you could have $40,000, you could have $6,000, you could have a small amount yeah. and uh, not lose your benefits. So that's why you really want to consider the amount of money um, that you're looking at. And again, um, so let me go back. Let me talk a little bit about what's called the responsibilities for the trustee. Okay. So the professional trustee, I'm going it up here, you are required to issue annual statements. The trustee is must process disbursements and adhere to the laws that, that relate to the benefits that that person's on. So you need to understand benefits. And this is so. This is if if it was a family member, the family member would be responsible for all this stuff too, which is why which is where it gets right. very complicated, right? I mean, yeah. So they have to understand rules related yeah. to housing, or they have to understand yeah. rules related to SSI or Medicaid or SNAP benefits. Yeah. You just need to really understand the rules related to us. So you don't make a mistake. So you need to issue tax forms. Every year we issue what's called a K-1. So the amount of money that person earned, it's also called a grantor letter, depending on if it's a first or a third party. Then that tax form, it's like a 1099, is used to file the personal tax return. So a professional trustee will issue those tax statements. So we use Ernst & Young. They process all the tax for us. 
And then it goes to the beneficiary. They have to file their personal return. And then the trust can be used to pay if there's any taxes due. But most people, if they have a small dollar amount, they don't owe any taxes. Um, but they might. Yeah. You have to get yeah. the tax document. Yeah. You need the tax document anyways, even if you don't owe the taxes, right? Yeah. And then we file the 1041, which is the trust tax return for the person. So we file that 1041. We invest the funds. So it's professionally managed. We use uh, Webster Bank. The money is invested. We have seven strategies, which the money is placed into. And that's based on the person's age, disability, the expected, what the, the money will be needed for within the next year. So it also takes away from the family member that, so we had a young woman that she got married and moved to California. And now she's not in the state where her brother lives. She was concerned about who's going to make sure he's okay. That's where we step in. So that's why she called us. We're different than other trustees in that we have social workers on staff that may contact and, and assess the disabled person holistically. But just in general, she needed somebody to be here to make sure the funds were invested. But her brother kept calling her saying he wanted to buy a Mercedes Benz. And he had enough money to buy a Mercedes Benz, but he didn't have enough money to maintain that or to, she was worried about him, his ability to drive. That's where a special, I'm sorry, a professional trustee would step in and work with the person to help them maybe buy something that they could actually maintain. So again, it's being the bad guy, I guess. It's that person yeah. steps in and, and helps them understand. With social workers on staff, they're really uniquely equipped to work with a person that has developmental disabilities or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Okay. So you're not, just to be clear, right? So you're a, if, if folks are familiar with what a trust company is and does, it's mostly, fine. so you're mostly financial management, but you speak the language of uh, maybe of of the beneficiary in better than a lot of other folks could, right? Uh, yeah, you're not doing legal work, correct? We do not do legal work. Yeah. We work with attorneys, but we do not provide legal services. Um, right. What makes us different is all trust, professional trust organizations uh, have to do with the, those services that I mentioned. Everybody has to do that. It doesn't matter if you're an individual or a, a bank or a nonprofit or whatever. You, those are the responsibilities. Yep. But you want to be able to work with a person. We have people that work for us here now that in our trust department that used to work for a bank. A bank is not equipped to work with someone with mental health issues. Right. So yeah. they can process the disbursement but they're not going to go out and make sure the beneficiary is doing well, living in a clean environment, um, being well cared for, being visited. Yeah. So you have to pick. So we're not for everybody. Right. If you're, I, I worked with a family, the brother was a doctor and the sister was an investment manager. You may not need us then. If they want to, they can do it. That's all. Yeah. We just but that's a, yeah. I would say that's a very small subset. If you've ever worked with, so if you ever talked to someone who's been the trustee of a trust and they're they're doing that on their own and they don't have a legal background, right? It's it can be pretty overwhelming. I certainly overwhelming. Yeah. yeah, we get a lot of calls like that. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, let's talk. I, I uh, want to do a bit on. Let's talk about the cost, right? Because obviously there's going to be a, a cost for what you do, and and let's maybe just go into a bit about how that works. Is it hourly? Is it based on assets? How does what's that look like? So it depends on who you go with for a trustee. If you go okay. with an attorney, you're going to be paying attorney fees, and it's hourly. Okay, your, is this with your organization? 
No, no, no. Okay. I'm talking about a trust. If you so if you choose an attorney to be the trustee, yep. you don't choose us. Say you choose an attorney to be the trustee. Yep. And in some cases, I think it's the right decision. We actually get referrals from attorneys that are trustees that don't think they can handle the person anymore. So they'll call and ask us to take it over. Okay. But you start with an attorney, you might be paying whatever the attorney fees are, $500 an hour, then you will pay for the disbursement of the trust paying expenses, yep. the administration piece of it. And then you'd have to pay for the investment of funds. So if it was being invested somewhere, you might pay a point and a quarter. I'm yeah. not, you would probably know the answer better than I would. Yeah, up, up, yeah, yeah, one percent. Yeah, which yeah, probably yeah, is in that ballpark, especially for trustee services too, which are can be a bit higher than just a standard investment management fee. Yeah. And then you would then pay if you needed social services, you would pay a hundred and fifty dollars an hour to have a social worker go out and visit. So that's one option. And then you have the bank. You could have a trust a bank be the trustee. Which would be similar. You wouldn't be paying attorney fees. You'd probably be paying one, one and a quarter, whatever percentage to pay for the investment of funds yep. and the trust administration. And then your trust would be used to pay for social services. And, and that would be yeah, subject to minimums too, right? With, with the trust company, yes. uh, you're, you're probably not there if you have $250,000, right? So what we we get, we, I just got one last week, uh, a $500,000 trust that's being forwarded to us because it's it, they can't do it. It's $500,000 is too small for them. Yeah. So you're asking us to take over. But with plan, you pay, so the investment of funds with plan is 75 basis points, 0.75. Okay. And the trust administration and the social services is the 2.25. So it's 3% all in. It's okay. annual. And if you don't need social services, like I said, maybe we're not the best option for you, but most people that come to us at that point need the social worker or want the social worker to help them manage the benefits piece. Yeah, a bank is not going to be working with you on your benefits. That's where we come in. So again, we get a lot of referrals from attorneys who realize the benefit of working with us. Yeah, so... Like I said, we have close to 800 beneficiaries and 68 million in assets under management. So we work really hard to work with those people to make sure that they're yeah. using the trust. Okay. Terrific. All right. Yeah, that's good to know. And again, the, the cost truck. And so, and, and to be clear, so you are a nonprofit now. Do you take everybody now? So, because if you say 3%, if we're talking about a $5 million account right now, so, that's a lot of money, but- it, Yeah, it, so we don't take that. Actually. Right. So, so we would say if someone came yeah. to us with $5 million, yep. um, once it hits 500,000, so anything, we, we yeah. charge 3% up to 500,000. And then we, we have break points. So we just keep reducing okay. the cost. Yeah. So once you get to $2 million, we just charge 75 basis points or 0.75. Right. For the investment of funds, nothing over that. So it's we cover the investment piece, which is not ours, somebody yeah, yeah. else's. Uh, but and then you get to a certain dollar amount. And then what we do with the fees that we earn, we pay our staff, but the right. what's left over is then put into a, a fund where we support other disability organizations like Special Olympics, Best Buddies. We give grants. So in the last three years, we've given over a million dollars in grants. To these organizations, the Carroll Center for the Blind, Best Buddies, A&E, which is the Asperger's Autism Network, okay. the Northeast Arc, the South Shore Arc, NAMI, which is the uh, National Association of Mental Illness, 
in Massachusetts. Yeah, so there's just seven of them, or nine of them, I guess, now that we work with. So cool. that's great. Good for you. And, and you know, just to double back and, and be sure, so do you take any size, right? Because we're financial planners, right? Obviously, we're we're a for-profit institution here at McNamara Financial, and so when when and and the the way that you know a cost based on a asset size works is it? And we do the same thing. We have breakpoints, right? But at at a million dollars, three percent sounds like a ton of money. But at ten thousand dollars, it doesn't seem like very much. I guess that's the. I know you're a nonprofit, yeah. but is yeah, there so no, there's no exactly minimum least, either. Yeah, so we have no minimums. Wow, that's fantastic. So what we yeah. do is we it's kept in cash. Yeah, um, from ten thousand below. Okay, but. Yeah, so we have no minimum. So anybody can come to us at any point because they will lose their benefits if they're over $2,000. Yeah. So we have courts that have appointed us as the trustee because the person is indigent, hit by a car, Yeah. the money, they don't want it to be lost. So they put it into trust for this person. Okay. So when we hit our break points, we just keep reducing the fee till we get to a million dollars or $2 million. And then it's just the cost of investment of funds. Okay. We don't make any more money over two two million dollars. So anything under two million dollars, we use again I, to support the person with their trust. So you could speak to a social worker every day. Yeah. If that's what you needed, you could call every day. They will go out and visit with you. Make sure you have all your benefits in place. Make sure that you're living in a good environment. If you need somebody to come in and clean your house, we have somebody who's a hoarder. They'll coordinate a housekeeper to come in and make sure that house is clean. They'll, they work with you to make sure that you use the trust funds to better your life. Not honestly, not everybody does that. That's what you get when you have a nonprofit and social workers, but right. You know, yeah. yeah. So you're, so you're, not, you're not motivated to say, to tell, Hey, keep all that money in the trust, right? Which is, which tech is it's my, in full disclosure, my motivation would be for a retiree to say, Oh no, you don't want to spend all that. You want to leave it here at McNamara financial, right? So the you, but you're not dealing with that, which is. Yeah. Which so is, that's the know, thing. Yeah. And exactly right. Because the, you make money by the money being invested. That, that's we don't do not, that. We don't yeah. do that. But yeah, that technically. No, but not you. Yeah. yeah, I didn't mean you. I just meant in yeah. general. That's yeah. the no, sure. the uh, motivation for some people. Yeah. So I was going to say one other thing about that. Yeah, yeah, we have about we have so we have about three minutes left. So if there's oh. anything that I didn't ask, I have a few more questions. But if there's anything big that I didn't cover, please. And it's okay if we got most of it. But now's the time to to oh. get anything else out there. Yeah. One thing I wanted to say was. The grandmother is leaving some funds to her grandchildren. It's really important that the uh, person think about the special needs of that person. So uh, the beneficiary, you set up a third-party trust planning. You really need to plan for your grandchild. You could never fund that trust, but at least if you have it in place and something happens, that's not a Medicaid payback trust. And the donor of those funds can decide who gets the money once the child has passed. Okay. Or so it's really important that they do planning. But one thing that we've recently been able to do is that if the there's an inherited IRA, if there's an IRA that's being left, that can come to us because we're a qualified retirement account. Okay. So the money can come to us and can go into the third party trust for the person, for the beneficiary, for the child, whoever. The yep. money can go in and then there's no tax consequence until they start taking the RMDs. And okay. now with the SECURE Act, 2.0, the life of the beneficiary is what the life of the inherited IRA will now go over, the life of the disability, the person right. with the disability. Huge. Different from the average, right? Different from a, a non-disabled person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's like a 10-year rule for that. Yep. And I think for a disabled person, it's the stretch for the life of the person. It's huge. 
Yeah, not everybody can do that. We can do that. So yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I, I know I, I told you we were probably going to run out of show before we ran out of stuff to talk about. But hey, we'll have to have you back on some other time. But again, so thank you very much, Joan McGrath of Plan of Massachusetts in Rhode Island. One, one more time, you give out your contact information and your website uh, in case anyone is is looking to get a hold of you. Yeah, thank you so much for this opportunity. I appreciate it. So it's 617-244-5552. You can speak to the enrollment specialist. If you have any questions, we have licensed social workers who will answer any questions about any benefits. We don't charge for you to call. You can call as many times as you want. We know it's a big expense, a big commitment. It's your life savings and your child or your loved one. And they, the website is um, planofma-ri.org. Thank you very much, Joan. I appreciate it. And thank you all thank for you. listening. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. You can find McNamara on Money on all the major podcasting platforms. New episodes drop every Monday. Tune in weekly for everything you need to know about making smart financial decisions. Subscribe today so you don't miss a single episode.